Thank you for joining us today for our session of uh, Candid Conversations. Today we're speaking to Rachel Lawrence, Senior Partner at Homework Solutions. Rachel is passionate about the nanny industry and her work shows it. From attending and speaking at industry conferences put on by International Nanny Training Day, Nanny Palooza, International Nanny Association, APNA and the US Nanny Association, to speaking to smaller groups via webinars, her focus is always on education and improvement. Rachel believes that when we know better, we tend to do better. So knowledge is a natural first step to change. She focuses on educating household employers and employees about why legal pay and adhering to labor laws is so important. She also works to encourage the industry as a whole to strive for higher industry standards. Rachel's passion and knowledge come from a solid 15-year foundation in the industry in a variety of roles. Her career began as a nanny, later moving on to work for local and national placement agencies, owning a boutique nanny agency, and work as the operation manager for the International Nanny Association, all before joining the Homework Solutions team in 2019. As a working mum with three children, she has also been a nanny employer. She's also involved in the nonprofit side of the industry, serving as the treasurer and board of director member of the International Nanny Association. She's also the founder of fairandlegalpay.com, a coalition designed to raise awareness about the need for legal pay in the industry. Her diver diversified work within the industry allows her to see things through a multifaceted lens, giving her a unique vantage point to consider all parties involved when, when addressing industry topics. So thank you very much, Rachel, for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to working with Homework Solutions? Sure. So one minor correction, I'm the senior partner specialist at Homework Solutions. I am not uh, one of the founding partners of the organization, but just wanted to clear that up. Thank Thanks you. for the, the promotion and title, but I, <laughs> I did feel the need to clarify. Um, so uh, as far as sort of how I got into this, you know, I think my bio sort of shows you that the nanny industry has always been my heart. I have been in it for a long time. My roles in it in it have adjusted over time. Um, but really, legal payroll matters a lot to me. And it did when I was a nanny. I was lucky enough to always be paid on the books. And I say lucky because when I first entered the nanny industry, no one told me I should go do that. I just happened to get a family that did it the right way. Um, and then in my agency work, that was certainly important to me as well. So it was sort of a natural transition to come over to Homework Solutions team. Um, and really put the bulk of my focus on that every day. Um, you know, it's something that matters to us, the educational component of it, um, in addition to the services that we provide to families and nannies. Fantastic. Thank you. And tell us about how Homework Solutions and what they do for nannies and employers. Sure. So we are basically a one-stop shop for taxation and payroll services. That means basically the family comes to us, they enroll in our services, and we take it from there. You know, we're setting up tax accounts, new hire reporting with the state, all the sort of infrastructure work that can be complicated that families don't really want to do on their own. And actually, it's usually the biggest hurdle to them paying legally is it's scary. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do. So they just decide not to. So we take all of that off their plate. And then, of course, for the employees, we're moving money from the employer to the employee, doing pay stubs, things like that along the way. And then for both parties, we're really making sure 
all of those tax dollars get where they need to go um, for both the nanny and the family. And then that you have the record of that to file your tax return. So W-2 for nanny, something called a Schedule H for a family. Um, so really, it leaves it where the family and the nanny can focus on their work together and let us do sort of what in larger companies is HR, payroll, taxation, those sort of things that a household employer probably has had not a lot of exposure to and, and doesn't really want to deal with. Okay, fantastic. And so can nannies and employers just reach out to Homework Solutions and ask questions even if they're not um, clients? Oh, absolutely. So just part of who we are as a company, um, just our culture, is that education is the first step, right? Um, education never comes with a hook. It never comes with a payment. You can call, you can ask us questions. We don't report to anyone. You know, if you ask us a question, we're not going to call the IRS and, and report you. <laughs> it's, it's just information. We know that the more freely you can come up with information to solve your questions and your problems, um, the easier they are to solve. But more importantly, the closer we get to doing it the right way. Um, you know, if you call us and you go through all the information with us and then the family CPA does it the right way, does it the way we would do it anyway, that's a win for me. It right. doesn't have to be a sale, right? Because maybe that family took some piece of information I gave them or that nanny took some piece of information I gave them and they told the CPA that and the CPA thought, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Let me do a little research. Oh, that's right. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it the right way. It's a win. Fantastic. And so this is the big question that I see lots of nannies and, and you know families ask, is a nanny a W-2 employee or is a nanny an independent contractor and receives a 1099? Sure. Um, you're right. Probably the most prevalent <laughs> question. <laughs> um, and and the, the thought is, again, this is scary. People know that to 1099 someone on the surface looks easier. It looks less involved for the person who is um, having the service done for them, in this case, the family. I'm not sure I completely agree with that. And in the nanny space, it's not an option. Um, in a traditional nanny space, you cannot qualify someone as a 1099 independent contractor because the nature of the work being done isn't that of an independent contractor, it's that of an employee. Um, in CSs, potentially could be 1099s, um, just for terminology there, newborn care specialists, because their work is different. Right. Um, it doesn't have to do with the industry so much as the work being done that classifies what an employee is. So a really good test of that is something called the ABC test. It's based on a, a court case. I won't bother you with all of that, but um, basically what it is, is who's controlling the employment. Um, if a nanny can't set her own schedule. She can't decide how the work's being done, where the work's being done. If she can't send someone in as a substitute for herself without asking permission, she's not an independent contractor right. because the family's setting the schedule. They're saying it has to be you. They're saying, you know, this one eats peanut butter and jelly, this one doesn't. Um, so they're controlling the work. And so they're the employer and it has to be a W-2. That's why in the NCS space, potentially, um, you could have a 1099 situation because NCS work is very different, right? You come in to, in essence, train this family how to be a parent, right? Um, how do you feed a child? How do you diaper a child? How do you 
train the child to sleep, um, those sort of things. And they often say, I only work 12 hour shifts. I, I'm only available these months. I'm, mm-hmm. So they're controlling the employment. That's really in our space, the only time that it, it is truly a possibility even to be a 1099. Okay, fantastic. And <clears throat> what would you say to nannies who say, you know, I don't want to track my hours. How do I track them? What's the best way to track employees for employers as well? Sure. So it depends on the situation as to what you want to do. Um, Many nannies work very set schedules, right? Very (laughs) predictable. You know, we'll call it in this example, 42 hours a week, right? Um, That you can set things up where you say, you know, for this weekly pay, we expect you to work 40 hours. two hours a week. There's not inherently something wrong with that. People, um, you know, they hear us say nannies can't be salaried and they say, well, I've always worked that way. I've always set up my contract X number of dollars per week for X number of hours. It's not that there's inherently wrong with anything inherently wrong with that thinking. It's that it needs to be written up differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what that means is that with 42 hours, under federal law, there's two hours of overtime included in that. So we just need to do the math a little differently. We need to back that out to a base rate for the first 40 hours, time and a half for the next two, and that gets us to that weekly amount. That being said, the other sort of component of that is that you can't do something called banking hours. You can't say, Susie Smith, nanny, you only worked 38 this week, so we're going to have you stay for a babysitting night next week to make, make it up. That's not a thing. Um, You can't bank hours from one pay period to the next. Also, if you go over the 42 hours, maybe, I don't know, mom had a meeting. And so it's 43 (laughs) hours this week. You can't just say, well, let's call it even. I'm sure we've let you go early a few times. Anything over that 42 hours needs to be paid. And in this example, because you're already in overtime territory, it needs to be paid at time and a half. So that's for sort of your standardized jobs. So that's all called guaranteed hours. It's fine. You can overpay your employee. If she works 40, you can pay her for 42. It doesn't matter. But you can't have her underpay. You can't bank hours. Um, And so that's fine for the set schedule. But for those nanny jobs that are a little more regular, um, you should track hours. I know that people find that burdensome, but it's just good business. It's just good record keeping for the employee. It's just good record keeping for the employer. You know, it really is just the right way to do things. So what would I recommend for doing it? Really, there's a multitude of ways, just depending on the nanny and the family. It could be a notebook on the kitchen counter Mm -hmm. um, that everybody signs off on at the end of the week. Um, It could be one of the billion free Uh, tracking apps, you know, make sure that everybody's on the same page about those. Some states have requirements that you can't do things like um, GPS location data. I think California is one of them off the top of my head, where some of those apps track where you were when you clocked in and out via, via GPS. And some states don't allow things like that. So just do the research for where you are if you're going to use something tech savvy like that and make sure it, it lines up with what you really want. Okay, fantastic. And you've touched on a few things about overtime. So I know this is kind of hard because each state does their own thing. Mm -hmm. But on a federal level, are overtime hours calculated after 40 hours per week? Yeah, for a live out domestic employee, um, 
anything over 40 hours is time and a half. You're right. Some states um, off the top of my head, California is notorious, right? They have daily overtime. Colorado does to some extent. Also different states determine if they follow FLSA on live-in nannies and whether or not a live-in nanny gets an overtime, it's called an overtime differential after 45 hours after 45. So we have tip sheets, um, again, free of charge, go on our website, Google your, you know, search your state, call me, whatever, we'll get you the information for your specific area, because the states can't ever make the employee worse off than mm -hmm. the federal law, but they can do better than the federal law. So sometimes um, that's going to come into play. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And Nannies who receive a pay stub. I've seen this question quite a bit lately in the forums. So nannies are saying, I, I receive a pay stub. I don't know what to do with it. Or nanny is saying, I got paid through Venmo. I don't know what to do now. How do I file my taxes? So is there any advice you could give um, nannies and employers on pay stubs? Sure. So Again, numbers off the top of my head, I might be one off one way or the other, but something like 44 states require pay stubs by law. So the majority of your audience should be getting them by law. Um, and they should have different states have different rules, but you know, they might have things like the worksite address. Almost all of them are going to require a list of how much you were paid per hour, how many hours were worked, those sort of baseline things. But they'll differ on like addresses and people's names having to be on them. California has 23 things that have to be on a pay stub. Um, so it really depends on the state. Um, what do you do with a pay stub? In theory, nothing really. I mean, it's for your records. So if you're a record keeper, keep them. It couldn't hurt, right? If something down the line, unfortunately, comes into play where you feel like you need to have a discussion with your employer, it's good to have them. Um, but they don't get filed anywhere or anything like that. No one has to worry about, I have this piece of paper, I'm required to do something with it. Um, it's just record keeping, much like your receipt at, if you go and buy something at a store, right? Um, so it's sort of like that. As far as um, Venmo payments go. <laughs> My answer a year ago would be different than it is today. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because a new law was passed. Um, and it's a national law. And what it says is that they are going to try to tighten in the circle a little bit on people who aren't paying their employees correctly, that they have an employee and they're pretending like they don't. And so they're using Venmo. Um, also, it's to some extent on the sales side of things that doesn't have to do with our industry about just tracking large purchases and things. But um, basically what it says is if somebody gives you a large amount of money. Now those, what are called cash apps, Venmo being one of them, are required to send a 1099K out to them to sort of bring this relationship to life. So it means now Venmo is required by law to say to the government, these two people are doing business together. Whatever that business is, I don't know. I'm just letting you know that there are transactions mm -hmm. here. And so it's a really bad idea <laughs> to use those cash apps, which is great for our industry, right? It means that it's one more way that families are going to go, okay, it's not really worth it to pay under the table. And nannies are going to say, okay, it's not really worth it to be paid under the table. Mm -hmm. The downfall is that um, the nanny has this tax document at the end of the year, which is now her wrong kind of tax document, right? She was 
we'll say working under the table, getting no tax documents mm-hmm. in this example, she should be getting a W-2. She didn't get that. She got a 1099. So now her wages are obvious to the government, but taxes weren't withheld because they're an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. So now she's stuck. So now she says, my options are to pay a whole bunch of taxes that I shouldn't be paying because I was an employee or to throw the family under the bus and tell the labor or taxation authorities, I was an employee, not an independent contractor. If you're in this situation right now, go talk to your family about it. Go say, it's come to my attention that this is going to bite us in January. What can we do to solve the problem now? Mm -hmm. so that that doesn't happen. Um, Venmo and these other cash apps have a place where if you go legal and you have what's called a tax ID number for your household, you can tell them that. You can say, you don't need to send that. I'm already reporting this on a W-2. Here's my tax ID number so that you can tell the government you're exempt from having to do this for me. So there are solves, even though we're partway through the year, but we need to go back and get those wages on the books. if a nanny cannot get a family to play ball, if they say, I don't care, that's your, your thing to deal with, I'm not going to do it, she still has a tough choice to make. But if she decides that her choice is to let the government know, indeed, she was their employee, not an independent contractor, there is a form you can fill out. It basically says, I'm missing my W-2. They gave me another form instead, which isn't the right one. Here's all the information. Government, you go figure it out. And the family will have higher taxes because of that, because they weren't withholding Social Security and Medicare from the employee. So again, that's not in their best interest either. So everyone's best interest is, oops, we made a mistake. Let's solve the problem. Okay. Thank you for that advice. Um, And how often do you recommend nannies be paid? Do you recommend weekly, biweekly, monthly? What's the best option? State law comes into play a little bit on this. Some states, a handful really require weekly pay. Most will let you do weekly or biweekly pay. Um, New York comes to mind as being a weekly pay state, uh, for instance, and a lot of nannies are in that market. Um, Whereas most other states give employers options. They'll say any of these are fine. Some say weekly or biweekly. Some say weekly, biweekly, semi-monthly, which means like the first and the 15th of the month, Mm -hmm. um, or monthly even. So again, our state tip sheets can help with that to some extent. You can call me. Um, But really the market, the nanny market dictates weekly, bi-weekly. I never really hear of nannies getting paid monthly. Um, It's just not part of our industry to be paid that way. It never has been, so it's just not that prevalent. Okay. And I've heard of a family who is willing to pay 13 months pay, um, which is something that some European countries do. And I know I think Brazil does it too. And it's not something I've run into that much. But then it made me question if they paid monthly, since they were considering paying a 13th month. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they, this was in California, and when they actually um, explained it to me, they said, yes, they wanted to pay the nanny monthly. Um, and I kind of reiterated basically what you just said, that it's not standard for industry. And it was really hard for them to understand why. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to kind of educate some parents as well that, you know, nannies usually get paid, paid weekly or, or twice a month. Yeah. And, you know, 
every country does taxation different and labor mm-hmm. laws differently. And so what is feasible in one jurisdiction maybe just doesn't yeah. apply to others. And so in the US tax system, um, what matters for tax documents and reporting and all of that is when the payment is made, not when the work is done or when you're assigning that money to in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to do with when the payment was made. So obviously let's say we're going you know, January through December here. Um, let's say that nanny starts the last week of December of 2021, but her first payment she gets, her first paycheck is in January, 2022. That's a 2022 tax payment. Mm -hmm. That is nothing, doesn't matter that she did the work in 2021. The same is true that if we get to the end of the year and there's additional funds that they are giving this person and they pay it out by December 31st, they can call it whatever they want but it's 2022 wages. And if you've already done, let's say you're paying weekly. So 52 Mm -hmm. checks a year, right? And it's a 53rd check and you paid it December 31st. It's just a bonus essentially. Um, So, and bonuses, a lot of people think bonuses are taxed higher than others. Um, It's not that. It's that in the eyes of payroll, you went from making $1,000 every week for 51 weeks and then you made $1,000 for the 52nd week and a $1,000 bonus, it looks what ha- like what happens is that you got a raise. Mm-hmm. So you're taxed at whatever 2,000 is a week mm-hmm. instead of 1,000. So the good news is that that's why we file year in tax returns because it all comes out in the wash. Mm-hmm. Because if you're overtaxed, either because you had a signing bonus or a mid-year bonus or an end of year bonus, you're going to get that back if you didn't really owe it um, as an an overpayment, as a a tax refund. Um, You know, obviously lots of things go into our tax refunds, not just our wages, our our mortgages, our education, all those things. But if you honestly have overpaid tax in any way, that's why we file a return and it'll come back to you eventually. Okay. And what kind of benefits do you see most employers offer, Nanny? You know, that's been a very changing landscape in the last I'll say five years. Um, It used to be that we would see sort of way up and way down. We'd see these nannies with everything in the world built into a compensation package. And then we'd see nannies with only wages, which in payroll and taxation, the the phrase is cash wages, even though they're not paid in cash. Um, But those were sort of the two we would see. We are seeing it come, we're at least seeing the bottom come up and we may be seeing it do this. Um, People are really getting into total compensation packages rather than just straight cash wages. And the reason being is one, the government has made it more advantageous to reimburse for health insurance and things like that. So people are taking advantage of that. And the other is market-driven really. I would say it's a combination of education, right? The, when we know better, we do better. (laughs) So when nannies go out and say other nannies are getting health insurance, I want it too. Um, that helps. But then also because of the pandemic, people saw our value in a way they never had before Mm. because all of a sudden there weren't schools, right? They had never thought of a day when a school didn't exist. None of us had. And so like, I'm a mom of three, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, 
there are three children here. <laughs> like, I thought we were past nanny stage, right? Because my kids go to school two houses down and, you know, our schedules worked where we weren't going to need a nanny in the afternoon. I thought once everybody launched off to elementary school, we were done. Um, we rethought that we had a pandemic nanny um, and people really, you know, even child care centers, other forms of child care were closed or they were having half class sizes and things like that. So I think that if there was such thing as a silver lining to COVID for our industry, that was it. People realized how incredibly valuable we were. They also realized how um, prevalent we were. People had this idea that like 1% of the American population had nannies. And it became very clear through the pandemic that just wasn't true before the pandemic hit. And it certainly wasn't true after there was no other form of childcare. So, you know, I think that, that those are the reasons. So what I'm seeing is a lot of healthcare reimbursement um, through things called QSERAs. That's an acronym for a Qualified Small Employer Health Reimbursement Arrangement, which is why we have an acronym. Yes. Um, <laughs> There's another sort of version of that that I see less often called an ICRA. Um, that's an individual care health reimbursement arrangement. Um, that's almost a whole session in and of itself that we could go into. Um, but most people go QSERA in case you want to sort of start your research. Um, it allows the family to reimburse their employee for up to $5,450 a year for this tax year of healthcare expenses if they, are, they can prove they're covered, right? They have a policy. So most of it usually goes to premium, but neither party's taxed on that money. Okay. So if you have a nanny budget of 50,000, you can either give her straight cash wages, everybody's taxed on 50,000, or you could say, we're gonna give you $5,000 healthcare reimbursement. Well, you get $5,000 in that reimbursement. Now everybody's only taxed on 45,000. Mm -hmm. So that's the dynamic. I'm also seeing things where people are reimbursed for transit more often, parking more often. Um, part of their cell phone. Um, there's this weird part of the American Rescue Plan where an employer can pay off some education debt. Mm -hmm. um, so we're seeing that come into play. That goes that's through good. the end of 2025, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, these are all great points. Um, can you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your um, .com that you created, the fairplay.com? Yeah, fair and legal pay. Um, again, it came out of a feeling of activism, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, low level activism, certainly we're not marching the streets. But my, uh, my goal was to provide a conversation starter mm -hmm. for nannies and for agencies and to some extent for parents, right? That if you had something like a logo of fair and legal pay for all household employees, on your resume, it starts that conversation for you, right? And it and it's a it's a secret message, right? It says, "Don't offer me cash under the table. I'm not going there. That's not who I am." Um, a family could use it in the same way, really. Agencies can use it to speak quietly to nannies. We support legal pay. We're not going to send you to jobs that pay under the table. Same message goes to the families they work with. So it was really a way to start a conversation that needs to be had, but it's hard to start, 
right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those conversations where it's like, well, where do I bring that up in the interview exactly? They haven't offered me the job and I'm already telling them they have to pay me on payroll. Um, You know, those sort of things. So it, it was just this ability to sort of quietly say, I have a stance on this. Let's talk about it if you don't know what it means. Okay. And so if nannies or employers want to um, reach out to you for that, do they just go to your website? Yeah. So you can, you know, you can certainly just call me on my homework solutions numbers as well. There's no need to go jumping through hoops, but yes, all of my contact information is on Bear and Legal Pay also. And there are great resources on there, just like there are on Homework Solutions. The difference being that Homework Solutions has Homework Solutions resources. And um, there are other great payroll companies out there too. And Mm -hmm. we all play really well together in sandbox. I'm sure people assume that we are at each other's throats, but it's not true. Um, And (laughs) they are on there as well. Um, I would, would be remiss not to tell you that HomePay and GTM and half of the really excellent any agencies in this country are there. Like they, they have subscribed to this. They support this. We're all in this together. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a great resource for that too, because we all bring a little bit of a different perspective to the table. And there are lots of resources from all the companies on there. Fantastic. So thank you very much for your time today. If anybody wants to reach you, what's the best email to reach you or phone number? Sure. So my direct email is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at homeworksolutions.com. Just make sure solutions is plural. (laughs) And then my direct dial is 571-293-8800. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Have a great day.